David, have you ever fallen uh, asleep listening to music? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, right now, I have a playlist that I like to listen to. Oh, you right now you're falling asleep. Well, <laughs> I usually save that until you start talking about the Lakers, but hopefully that doesn't come up today. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so right now I have a playlist that I fall asleep to. Okay, yeah. So it's a super common thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so usually, though, like I remember like growing up when I would do it, um, I would just like play it on my little like uh, stereo or something, right? And so there'd be, and I, I didn't, it wasn't until like I got to college where I would actually like stick some headphones in and listen to it. Um, and it was fine because, you know, those headphones were wired. You wouldn't, you know, sometimes they'd end up tangled in the morning or whatever. Well, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. But now we have this phenomenon of wireless headphones. So and, awesome. And I, I have uh, slept with wireless headphones before. And you're, there, it's always the struggle in the morning where, You've lost one of them, and you're looking under the bed, in the covers. In the like, pillowcase somehow. In the pillowcase, yeah. And, under uh, your wife's bed somehow. It's an adventure every morning to find where that missing missing uh, Airbud or AirPod or Earbud. What are they called? Airbud is this movie about the dog who plays sports. Yeah, well. So unbelievable. <laughs> Airbud could find your missing AirPod. I doubt he passed a physical, man. So a Taiwanese gentleman. <laughs> Turn your head and bark. Uh, Taiwanese gentleman by the name of Ben Su, I think that's his name. Yeah, Ben Su. He uh, he went through this whole experience where he fell asleep with his AirPods in, woke up, and he found one, couldn't find the other. Hmm. Uh, have you ever used AirPods? Uh, no. Okay, so I have some AirPods and and they're cool. I think they're great. Um, and they have a function where on your phone you can, uh, if you're missing an AirPod, you can play a sound, and it'll as long as there's a charge still. In the AirPod, it'll emit like a beep. Oh, that's cool. And so Ben does this, and uh, and he hears a beep, and he looks around, and he can't see where it's coming from, and realizes the beep is coming from his stomach. No. So he had swallowed his AirPod at some point in the night. Was he having a dream? He was eating like a really sm- like really smooth Cheeto. Like what? <laughs> I. Good question. Uh, he went to the doctor, and the uh, the doctor gave him a... Yeah, you want to go ahead? Went to the doctor, and the doctor said, no more AirPods when you go to bed. Nicely done. Thank you. Doctor gave him a laxative to pass the AirPod, and, uh, and Ben did so shortly after in a uh, train station bathroom okay. in okay. Taiwan. Okay, okay, okay. Huh. Yep. How did he know he had pooped out his AirPod in a train bathroom? I imagine. Well, okay. So I initially I had assumed he felt it come out. Um, I guess there is the scenario where he just sifted through every bowel movement he had. Uh. Either way, he uh, he discovered his AirPod in the. Train station bathroom. Okay. <laughs> Picked it up. Snapped a quick selfie. Of course. And then oh. he's holding up a brown smeared AirPod. Oh. Sorry, listener, if you're eating right now. Oh. And uh, it goes on to say that he uh, he washed it, let it dry, and, uh, and it still worked. In fact, it had a 41% charge after going through his system. What a ringing endorsement for Apple. Yeah, I know. I think... I would put that in the next commercial. I would show people eating AirPods in my next commercial and using them the next day. You definitely can't call them a crappy product. Mm. Yeah. 
got nothing. I stuck the dismount. I mean, there's nothing else to say. We've covered it all. It, it got covered by all. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only show that we know of talking about oh, sports. I like this intro music. And poop pods. Turd pods? Turd pods. Turd pods. Turd, well, it's technically one turd pod. Uh, the iPod is just one letter away from the iPod. Okay. Really makes you think. It does, right? We're it's like a like an ethical discussion. Like I feel like the good place is listening right now and they're like, we hadn't we know what to talk about it. Did I just lose points? Points? I don't know. I don't think so. It brought me joy. I think bringing joy to people uh, should give you points. A uh, huge shout out to the listeners that emailed this week, uh, Will Stewart and some guy named Matt Moody. <laughs> no, Matt, you're Go not. Go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> No, no one-eyed Matt Moody. We are, uh, you were not the first to email, but you were the most positive in the emails. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah, we appreciate all the emails we get. Yeah. So subjectivelycorrect.com is where you can go to share our podcast with your friend, if you have one. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't have friends. That's okay. You have two friends, me and David. Oh, you have a much higher... Or m- mom, your mom and dad. That's my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Do your mom and dad listen? Oh, yes. Okay, so I got a text this week from my mom. Oh. Um, Ooh, ooh, please tell me it was in reference to you getting hit in the nuts with the baseball. (laughs) No, it was in reference to them forgetting my 16th birthday. Oh. So they they finally caught up to that episode. I don't know when that was, a month or two ago. Uh, And uh, and they said, my mom said, yeah, she still remembers that day. Uh, In her defense, she said that typically we celebrated birthdays on the weekend. And that was midweek, which it was. I mean, talk about backpedaling 16 <laughs> years after the fact, Darlene. Come on. <laughs> uh, but if, if it didn't come through clear enough in that episode, my mm-hmm. parents are awesome. They are great. They did forget my 16th birthday. <laughs> it's a fact. Look, I, okay. When they listen to this in two months, <laughs> I'm sure they'll say something about it. Uh, if you'd like Great. to email the show, wonderful parents. If you'd like to email the show, like Will and Matt did, could oh, have asked for better human beings. Uh, I also got some correspondence from uh, Colt Sawyer. Forgot my 16th birthday. Who was listed in my phone as Albus Sawyer, and I forgot why. <laughs> but anyway, maybe he can remind me. But we also got some correspondence from Colt, so we'll talk about what he sent me later today. Uh, that was a cucky story, and you know what else looked like cucka poo poo? The track. <laughs> The track during the Kentucky Derby. In the words of the pre- uh, in the words of the president, it was sloppy. Sloppy. Yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah. So uh, huge disaster. It I, was sloppy. I never thought we'd start our show with horse racing, but your dad is actually into horse racing a little bit. Isn't he, he loves it. Yeah. It, he would he would take us to the track, Santa Anita racetrack, um, growing up, and he'd uh, show us the horses and and kind of. Give us some tips on on how to pick them, and uh, would, you, would, would do all right. Would you? Yeah. Would you actually like, go yeah. down and like like pet the horses? No, they their... won't let you touch them. Okay, I mean, I figured... maybe maybe certain uh, tracks will, but uh, no, I, I never petted a racehorse. Although I did, uh, there's a certain area you can you can kind of stand in and watch as they walk around. And I uh, I was next to Joe Pesci one time, who I think was owned one of the horses. Oh, how about that? Yeah, and. Uh, as short as advertised. Yeah. Okay. Super short dude. Like he, like the jockeys towered over him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sir, the the, the the stables over there. If you want to get changed, like I'm Joe Pesci. I, I don't do I don't do Pesci. Yeah. Whip sticky bandit. <laughs> nope. Nope. 
Joe Pesci uh, impersonation, not not on point today. On today? <laughs> well, when it gets better, let me know, and we'll All put right. it in the show. We'll find a way to get the wet, sticky bandits uh, in the show. Uh, Mom! No, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, talk Kentucky Derby. Go. go. But, oh, yeah, okay. So the only reason we're talking, and, you know, horse racing's cool. If you... Okay, I grew up watching horse racing, so I, I like to tune in and watch the big races. I think it's still fun. It's, uh, you know, if, if it's if it's something you're into, it's a super exciting one to two minutes, depending on the race. Um, and and I like the Kentucky Derby. It's usually like usually about a minute long. And it's the, it's just the it's the second race in the Triple it's Crown, the first. right? The first. Yeah, What's the yeah, order? The Kentucky Derby, uh-huh. the Preakness, uh-huh. and the Belmont. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, if you if you win all three, you're a triple crown winner, which is a rare thing in the history of of horse racing. Yeah, and then um, your owner makes billions of dollars off of stud fees. That's right. Ooh. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like every every super great horse uh, sires, if they're male or I don't know what the female term is. Foals. Sure. I don't, know. I don't know. I have no idea. Births. Births. Yeah. Pushes out. Uh, the next great horse racing champion, or, or hopefully, but yeah, you'll, you do we do we have evidence of that? Like, do we have triple crown winners producing oh, yeah. winners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you can always see like what the lineage is. They'll have documentation on that, and typically the best horses come from pre- previous winners. Okay. Um. So the winner of this year's Kentucky Derby was not the horse that crossed the finish line first. That sounds like the opposite of racing. For the first time in its history, the Kentucky Derby crowned. The second place winner. And what happened was, okay, so Maximum Security was the favorite coming into this race. Okay, this is going to be weird. So make sure you say the horse and then the give The horse name, name Maximum. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> the name, yeah. So the coolest anyway. thing about horse racing is the horses themselves and how fast they are. And yeah. it's like awesome to watch them run. The second greatest thing are the names. I don't think so. Because you can talk about horse racing. You can say, anyway, so last Tuesday was racing Wednesday, and Friday came up behind them. You're like, wait, you're talking about... And it's just very confusing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so make sure you're saying the you're horse. You're not disproving my point. That the names are awesome. So, okay, the horse named Maximum Security. There you go. Uh, the favorite, I think, or if not one of the favorites, coming into the race, um, crossed the finish line first. But on the home stretch, on the, the last turn coming into the home stretch, took a wide turn. And in doing so... Moved or swerved, depends on your interpretation, but moved in front of a couple other horses, impeding uh, impeding their path. It looked like maybe those horses were about to make a charge. That's debatable. That's what their jockeys are going to say. Their, their jockey, owners yeah. are going to say And so sure. objections were filed, launched. I don't know what the correct verb is for the objections. But there were objections, and there was an inquiry, and the stewards... Like ruled this sounds like something that happens in the court in medieval england <laughs> my gosh get over yourself horse racing people ruled that maximum security the horse had violated the rules and, and they started the proclamation this way <laughs> <laughs> they did the trumpet first <laughs> the bugle <laughs> hey, hey, hey. uh and country house the horse that came in second was 20 minutes later, after a 20-minute review, we think we have it bad in, in NFL when they take two right. minutes under the under the hood, right. or, or NBA officials when they go over to the monitor and spend 30 seconds looking at who, who the ball went out of bounds on. They took 20 minutes to determine that this house, that house, that this horse moved in front of another horse. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but that's what they determined. So co- the horse named Country House 
won the Kentucky Derby. By yeah, by DQ. By DQ. And it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, the only reason we're starting the the show with the Kentucky Derby is because of this interesting situation. What I like is so this horse wins, right? Yeah. Uh, maximum security loses. Country House wins, and someone asked people. Uh, the owners, they asked him, so is Country House going to race in the next race? And they're maximum like, Security. Maximum Security, they asked him. And they said, no, he's not yeah. going to race in the next one. Yeah. Right? Because why? Because even though you technically lost, the horse was shown to be the fastest horse. So why risk maybe racing again? Can't and win losing, the triple crown now. Right? So yeah. why risk racing again and just go out as like a de facto winner and get all those stud fees, right? Yeah. That's probably what they're thinking. See? It's also kind of a, you know, protest on their part, I think. To boycott this race because they, you know, they feel slighted. Yeah, they're gonna say it's a protest, but it's all about the Benjamins, man. Oh yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna make a bunch of money from the set yeah. fees for for maximum security. Um, uh, <laughs> so the rule, I want to just like read the rule, but you have to do it in a, in a menstrual voice. Excuse me now, a menstrual voice. Uh, what's that word you're saying? Menstrual, like. Like, as if I had cramps? No. It's just like a medieval singer, a teller of tales. Oh, minstrel. Yeah, what did I say? Menstrual? Well, tomato, tomato. There, uh, dude. I minstrel. think that's a very important distinction. Well, yes, it's an important distinction, but, I mean... All right. So, <laughs> according to Section 12 of Rule 810... You think that's how a minstrel sounds? I'm not reading it as a minstrel okay i'm reading it like me okay well that's gonna be boring i'm gonna play your game all right all right according to section 12 of rule 810 kar1 016 a leading horse or any other horse in a race swerves or is ridden to either side so as to interfere with intimidate or impede any other horse or jockey uh, is disqualified, essentially. <laughs> I added that last part. Um, you sounded like you were in the pit of despair. In the pit of despair? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Princess Bride. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I was expecting something a little more like announcing something from... Like, I don't know how to... I can't just come up with voices. What comes out is come what comes out. That's true. There's no premeditation there. Like an AirPod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what... Whether good or bad. If only there was another word for bad that was topical with AirPods. Poop. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, what I love about this rule, just the, the the intro to it, a leading horse or any other horse. Why not just say a horse? I think to emphasize the fact that they should look especially for a leading horse. Sure. But this any other horse just means any other horse, right? Yes. It all depends on your definition of the word is. Mm. Uh, anyways, just thought that was interesting. So we got a DQ. We got Country House winner. Bittersweet, I think, for them, although they're one of the horses that lodged an objection. So uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think this is good for horse racing. I think most people are kind of upset. I heard there was something like a, oh, you know what? I should just look it up. But it was multi-million do like multi dollars. Yeah, multiple millions of dollars were lost because no one bet on Country House. Country House was a super long shot, 65 to 1. You don't mess with people's health care, people's food, and people's money. And this decision messed with people's money. And when you mess with people's money, they get upset. 
And if you mess with all three at the same time, that's when it becomes a problem. When you're when you charge someone extra for their health care and bring them bad food at the hospital, that's when it all hits the fan, like an AirPod. Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to see here if if we can. Uh, you know what? Pop ups. I'm not going to do it. Not going to deal with it. I'm not going to fight that pop up fight. No. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to come up with another poop joke to end the segment so that we can move on to the next one, but I ran out of poop jokes. You know what I say to your poop jokes? What? Nay! That was a horse. Nay. Round two of the uh, NBA playoffs have been so much more exciting than round one. I think, like, all these series are within, everyone's within one game of each other. That could change after tonight with the Rockets uh, Golden State series, but this has been a super enjoyable round for me to watch. Have you been Paying attention, you've been watching some of these games. Yeah, Steph has been poo poo. <laughs> this is we should this should be dubbed the poop episode. I mean, we already have one of those, and it was one of our best. Do we? Oh, moose poop. Yeah, moose turds. M- moose poop, Mary, uh, the patron saint of moose poop. She, uh, the matron saint. Yeah, the matron saint of moose poop. Uh, shout out, moose poop, Mary. But Steph has been poopy too, right? And uh, yeah, it didn't help that the day after he had a terrible game. Missing point-blank layups. Yes, and a dunk at the Rejected end. Rejected by the rib. Oh, that's just adding insult to insult. Well, adding insult to insult. But he, uh, Seth shot better, is shooting a better percentage from three than Steph in Yeah, the his brother Seth Curry is on the Blazers and had yeah. himself a, at least a quarter. 16 Ooh. points in a quarter. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the, the, the Nuggets were like, what, what's going on here? Which Curry is this? Yeah, like this is backwards. I wonder if they have like a talisman and like Steph has like the good half mm. and somehow Seth switched it so that he has the better half. Like Dale took his like shooting ability and like gave it all to Steph. That sounds plausible. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. But either way, Steph has been poo-poo ever since Kevin Durant started taking over the offense a little bit more. Steph has not been able to play his game, and it has shown on the court. He has been, for lack of a better word, there's probably lots of better words, but we're going to stick with this one, poo-poo. Well, this is a dumb question because they're about to win their third NBA championship unless something horrible happens. But is it is it hard for, I mean, because this hasn't been the case in the past, right? I mean, Curry's played well with Durant. Yeah. And so is it that, that Durant is taking more of a lead in the offense? Like he's the primary ball handler? Is that what's throwing Steph off? Or you just think it's a fluky series? I think it's... What's interesting is Steph doesn't play as well in the postseason as he does in the regular season. Yeah, that's true. And so this isn't like a super surprising thing for people that follow the NBA for for a long time. It's always It always seems like... I mean, Andre Iguodala won the MVP one year. Yeah, he, he on the other hand, uh, his game elevates in yes, the postseason. and so does Kawhi. Yeah. Kawhi, it, it's crazy. We'll maybe get to Kawhi a little bit later. But Steph seems to shrivel a little bit. <laughs> He seems to shrivel a little bit in the playoffs, at least especially this playoffs. And he went for like 30-point games multiple times, and then KD came out and started KDing all over yeah. the place and scoring 50 KD and 30-plus. Yeah, and he uh, and Steph kind of shriveled and disappeared. And it's not that he's not putting up the, the numbers. That's not the thing. His, uh, oh my gosh, oh. what was that? What was It was that? one of your yo-yos. Oh, is it okay? I'm sure the yo-yo's fine. Uh he is shooting sub 25% from three in the playoffs this year. Which is super atypical for a Curry. Yeah. Especially Steph. Right? Uh, so it's, just, it's weird. And I, I haven't, and it, like, gone into it and, like, analyzed 
the games. I haven't like gone through film. Of course, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. But I have a day job, believe it or not. I don't just do this. But uh, I know it's surprising with how good I am at this that I don't just spend all my time preparing for and doing this. Yeah. But I have a day job. And uh, I just Well, they would have won that game three if Curry was 80% himself. Yeah. But he was not a, he was a shell of himself. No, he was bad. And the worst part of that was the missed dunk at the end when he was all by himself. And well, there were two in the final two or three layups. minutes. He missed yeah. two layups, and then he missed a dunk, and it yeah. was super surprising to see. I started feeling bad for him. I don't feel bad for guys that win three championships. You know, it's yeah. hard to feel bad for that. But he, I started feeling bad for Steph, and then his brother goes and ruins everything by shooting really, really well. Yeah. But I think the Warriors will get it figured out. Streaks like this for a, a legendary player like Steph won't last very long, and he'll get stuff figured out, and he'll have a game well, where he scores a bunch. And he and he's almost uh, untouchable at this point. I mean, he would have to he would have to fail on such an epic level in the finals for his reputation to be tarnished. Yeah, and even if he does, he still has those three championships to fall back on. Right. Uh, and and if the Warriors end up winning it all, which likely they will. No one's gonna care, or I mean, people will remember because people remember everything now because we have the internet. Yep. But no one's gonna care. I mean, he's. It's not like he's not a Hall of Famer now. It's not yeah. like he's not one of, if not the best, uh, guards. Well, he changed well, the game. Best, best, best modern point guard. Right. Yes, he changed the way that guards play, and he's changed the way that the league and coaches, especially, have viewed the three pointer. Mm-hmm. They view it as a legitimate option. So you'll see guys take open three pointers instead of going in and shooting a layup because they realize three points is more than two. Yeah, and he's and he's expanded the court. I mean, yes. like the, your offense starts essentially, you know, a step or two past half court. Right. And Damian Lillard has taken that, it seems like, to the next level. And yeah. he's having a better postseason than Steph Curry is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that Blazers-Nuggets series has been a lot of fun to watch. It's tied 2-2 now. But it's the most competitive series so far. Yeah, and it's been the most entertaining. That four-overtime game a few nights ago, and then they come back and play a thriller where, where Jamal Murray is just sensational. He's, what, a rookie? No, he's like... A second, third-year guy, something third like that? Year, well, he's he's the youngest player to have a triple-double in the playoffs, right? Or one of the youngest ever, right there with like Magic and LeBron and those guys, right? So he's in really good company. He made six free throws in a row to ice the game last night, right? So Jamal Murray is a great player to watch. He shot one up over the backboard the other uh, last night. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, and uh, he's a good player. If you know, we'd have to look at this, but if I don't think they're going to make the finals, but if they did, would they be the first team to make the finals where the two best players are not American? Because Jamal Jamal Murray is Canadian. And then Nikola okay. Jokic is whatever he is. Get out of here with Canada not being part of the United States. But, but it's not. Get out of here. It's not. No. Nah. Even Canadians like, yeah, we basically watch American TV and sports. You can't tell me you're watching the CFL Canada. Hockey. NHL. They watch the NHL. Okay. I'm sure they do. Curling. Uh, okay. They, well, we, we're the gold medalists in we curling. We are the gold Oh my goodness. We're we curl better. Yeah, uh, we've taken everything from Canada, except for maybe drinking beer. I, no, H- have no. you seen Strange Brew? Mm, oh, it's a classic, eh? Is that with you uh, got Rick Candy? Oh no, you got Rick Moranis, eh? That's Rick. Okay, remember the mooses from yes. Brother Bear? Okay, so I think what they did eh, is they took those two characters okay. from Strange Brew, and then they just took them and put them into moose bodies, and then you, of course, less beer because it is a Disney movie, and then you got the uh, you got uh, Strange Brew. So imagine if the bears from Brother Bear, no, no, not the bears, that, that's ridiculous. You take the moose, mooses, 
You take the mooses from Brother Bear and you put them in a real life movie with Rick Moranis playing one of the mooses that's now a person, and you've got strange proof. Where is Rick Mor- Mor- Rick Moranis? He disappeared. Yeah, his career really shrunk. Yeah. I was going to go there. It was like two beats away from that. Okay. It's jazz, baby. You got to keep up. It's jazz. <laughs> got to keep up. Sometimes there's some give and take. It's not always you know seizing on the obvious line. You were about to do that. I know, but I set it up. Well, yes, yeah, setup guy. Okay. It's like alley oop. Right. You don't alley oop to yourself unless you're LeBron James, in which case you can do it whenever you want because you are amazing. So Dame Lillard's been super exciting, but he's been inconsistent. I love Dame Lillard. He he went yeah yeah. He, this, especially this last game, like he he had a horrible. I mean, he didn't really even have a good fourth quarter, but he, he scored got, ten in the fourth, he, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got better. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they they needed him throughout the game. CJ McCollum kept him in it. Uh, and Seth Curry, obviously. We right. Seth Curry. 16 points in the first quarter. The East is competitive, too. You got Milwaukee, Boston. Milwaukee took back home court advantage. They're playing right now. We'll see how that series ends up. Philadelphia wrapped, uh, Philadelphia, and Toronto. Kawhi's amazing. Kawhi. He's the... Him, him and Kevin Durant, right? I mean, they're the two biggest question marks for this offseason. Wherever they go... I'm not going to say he's an instant contender, because if, you know, Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks by himself, they're not an instant contender. They would need... At least one other big free agent. If he went to the Knicks by himself, it would be like Russell Westbrook in OKC by himself, like without. Yeah, um, like they're they're a playoff team, but especially not in the, in the top four. Yeah, especially in the East. Yeah, um, but I think the hope I, for Nick fans is that you get KD and Kyrie. Yeah, and if you get that, that'll be an amazing combination. Then you might be able to get a few free agents in the next couple of years that want to mm-hmm. play with those guys and try for a championship, and you, you know, live in New York City. And so. you might get Zion. Oh yeah, never know. I mean, I don't think they have the best odds. Who has the best odds? The Suns. Who was the worst, worst team? Probably. I think it was the Suns, but I don't remember mm. for sure. There was a there was a race to the bottom. Yeah, and I think the Suns in the next trying right for there. Zion. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, but yeah, no, Kawhi's been on a different level. I've got. I think I've got a stat about Kawhi. I'm not sure. Should we do it? Maybe in objectively correct sports. Yeah, we can jump it. You want to do it? You want to do it? No, we'll do it later. I just. I was just going to tease it for next. Okay. So you said there. You you mentioned there's a oh, seismic shift yeah. in the league, and, and you were uh, quoting well, someone or something. Yeah. No. Woj. You know. Woj Narowski, Adrian Ward, Woj Narowski. Easy name to say. He was uh, he was talking about the, uh, this coming off season for, so the, for the Warriors and saying everyone's preparing for a seismic shift. And whether that just means KD, I think I think Draymond's much, under uh, Draymond's in his contract year, right? Draymond has one more year. One more year. Uh, it's Clay. Clay, yeah. So so the big free agents are KD and Clay, and I think everyone's pretty sure that KD's going somewhere else. I feel like especially if he wins, if he wins another one with Golden State this year, be like, okay, I don't know anything else to the city. I can just go and maybe win a championship somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, the bigger the, the bigger question mark is Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they max him out? Is he a max player? I think he is. It's all hard because he's like third banana on this team, right? But if, sometimes uh, fourth because Draymond's defense is sometimes more valuable than his offense. And so you put him on another team. Is he an alpha? Is he the best player on that team? Can he be the best player on a contending team? Um, it which be- it becomes difficult because it's almost like the. Uh, the uh, why can I think of, uh, Kyle Corver effect, where Kyle Corver doesn't seem to be very productive in the league right now, even though he's one of the best three point shooters by field goal percentage in the history of the NBA, mm-hmm. because people can uh, focus on him and key on him and, and keep the ball away from his hands, right? Yeah. So he never takes an open three, like ever. And so I wonder if the same thing would happen to Clay Thompson if he's not surrounded by KD and Steph. 
It's possible, although we've we've seen glimpses of him get super hot, where he'll have he'll have twenty five points in a quarter. Yeah, he'll have a Seth Curry quarter. And so I I, th- I think he's on a different level than that. And I think I think he can be um, the best player on a contending team, but he would need a lot of other really good pieces around. Yes, him. and his defense is what's going to make him valuable even when his offense isn't there, yeah. right? Because he still defends well. And so if the I think if the Warriors max him out, he stays. If they don't. Who knows where he ends up? Well, if you're the Warriors, do you just consider paying the luxuries tax to keep everyone together? It'd be a huge sure. tax bill. Sure, but, yeah. I mean, they go to a championship every year and make all that money back for sure. Well, and and they're opening up a new arena, hmm. and so they want. I mean, I think they've already sold like season tickets, what they need to sell. Uh, it's, I don't think they're going to be hurting for money at all. No. And, and, and their owner's a billionaire, so it doesn't really matter anyways. Right. Like, he could pay it if he wanted to. Right. The accountants will find a way to lose money, though. <laughs> They'll find a way to, to take a loss. It's a tax write-off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, but but this offseason, even more than last offseason, is, I think, it's seismic for the Warriors, but could be seismic for the league. And it's, it's uh, uh, I was watching some clips. LeBron James has this HBO show, The Shop. He gets athletes and pop culture people. And they talk, and and, and uh, so I was watching some some clips on YouTube from this this uh, last week's episode, and Lonzo was on, and him he and Lonzo were talking about Magic Johnson resigning, and how shocked they were, and uh, and LeBron was like legitimately upset, you know, like I can't believe he didn't call me, right, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, because he was the one who recruited LeBron, right, right, it was there at his house when as soon as free agency started, and. Um, you know, it wasn't. He didn't join the Lakers because of Magic Johnson, but I think it made it a lot easier. And um, I think it was for him, you know, to play under one of the greatest players of all time, someone who had a similar game to him. Uh, but LeBron's better. Sure, sure. Just had to throw it out. Keep going. Uh, so much better. Anyway, so it was just kind of weird, and, and and I think he was upset the fact that he resigned like seventy minutes before a game. Right. <laughs> He's like, "There's a time and a place," and that didn't seem like the time or the place. Yeah, you could have just waited a few more games and retired or resigned after the season. Yeah, so it was just interesting to see the the players talk about that a little bit more openly than you've seen anywhere. Right. Well, uh, I, yeah. Right. And now that I think about it, what a jerk move by Magic Johnson. He made it all about Magic Johnson. Yeah. And, and even in his explanation, he was like, "I can't be myself." So what? What a jerk move by him to be like, well, the, I'm not having fun, we're about to play a game, but now it's all about me. The, the example he gave of, of one of the ways he can't be himself is that he can't tweet what he wants to tweet. Oh my gosh. And, I mean, if that's not a 2019 reason for resigning from a position, I don't know what is. He's worse than a millennial. Uh, he's an old guy who wants to be a millennial he, but can't. He's an all-time Laker. You can't take away what he does as a player for the for the franchise, but I th- I do think that was... I think it's the best move for the Lakers, actually, like yeah. moving forward, because I don't think he was a great executive. No. But I think he should have waited till the season ended and just, you know, it was Gracefully stepped away. The season was like how many days away? I mean, it was like a week away, right? Less than that. I think there but, were two games left, right? Yeah. So t- the timing was just weird. Um, but anyways, late. Oh. Laker news. We got some Laker news. Gosh dang it, you snuck it in. I snuck in the you Lakers. Sn- oh, I'm so angry right now. <laughs> so so Tyron Lue had a birthday over the weekend. Good, great. Talk and, more uh, about that. <laughs> and there was a, someone posted a video of his birthday cake. And it uh, had the, the candles going off and then a big logo of the Lakers. And it said like, there was a caption on, on the cake 
something about my brother Ty or whatever, next coach of the Lakers. And uh, the Lakers haven't announced anything on their coaching. They, they've announced that they've interviewed some people. They interviewed Ty Lue. They interviewed Monty Williams, who took the, the Suns head coaching job. They interviewed Juwan Howard and, and uh, reportedly Jason Kidd. I uh, would love if he was an assistant coach. Tyron Lue? That would make me so happy. It's and LeBron like be the head coach. The cake. Oh, he'd be better. So the this cake... That's like the next coach of the Lakers. Oh, he's the bench coach. That would be so great. He's the strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, if the Lakers do offer them position, which it seems like they will, and I don't know what they're waiting for if they've already made up their mind. But um, if they do offer it, I think it's fine. Like, he's obviously won with LeBron in the past and knows how to um, put players and schemes around LeBron that maximize LeBron. And so that's fine. Um, what I do hope is that he has a really good staff around him. Uh, and he threw out Tibbs as being on his staff. And I think Tibbs has denied that like, he doesn't want to be on the staff. But right. like just the fact that he's thinking about those types of coaches, right? That, well, what is Tibbs doing right now? I think he's an analyst for like the NBA TV channel. <laughs> that's my Tibbs joke. He's chewing my... some gravel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Have you heard him? Like, he's even worse during uh, during timeouts. You know when they do the wired for sound, which yeah. I hate because it's never anything interesting. It's always just like rebound, play harder. Like oh, okay, coach, never anything interesting. But he was always great because it's like, how can anyone hear you on the court? Because he's always like he's perpetually harsh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, so basketball, basketball. It's been fun. I right. like that every series is close, and I hope they stay close because the first round was poo poo. It's back, one of our favorite segments, Objectively Correct Sports. I'm going to start it off. Ba -da -ba -dum -bum -bum. You, I, every time I say I want... <laughs> so I want to put music to this, maybe that's a little different, and you never give me the chance because you're always like, I'm not going to spend the time to cut all that out anyway. Uh, first one comes from Will Stewart, hey. one of the OG listeners. He says, uh, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays... Had, after their 22nd season, had recorded 598 intentional walks. In Barry Bonds' 22 seasons, he recorded 688 intentional walks. <laughs> oh, my turn. Yes. That, I, re I remember how this game works. The game is the foot, as Andy Dwyer would say. <gasps> hey, Cody Bellinger is a Dodger. How about that? And he's the first player since Barry Bonds in 2004 to end April batting 430 or higher with at least 75 plate appearances. He, all right. Another one from Will Stewart. If Mike Trout went an entire season without reaching base once, he still have a higher career on base percentage than Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. Wow. If he went two entire seasons without a hit, he still have a higher slugging percentage than Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. We need to rethink what we're doing at the Hall of Fame, people. Yeah. When you think Craig Biggio, do you think Hall of Famer? I think one of the three B's, and maybe not the best one. Cody Bellinger, he's a Dodger. Did you know that? He's an interesting company. Uh, he his the highest slugging percentage through thirty six games. Listen to the top four players with the highest slugging percentage through the first thirty six games of a season all time: Babe Ruth, eight sixty five in nineteen twenty eight; Josh Hamilton, eight fifty four in two thousand twelve; Lou Gehrig. 852 in 1927, and Cody Bellinger, 840 in this year of our Lord 2019. Entering Tuesday's game, Mike Trout had seen 445 pitches this season. 
he had swung at 151 of those pitches and only missed 15 of them. Plus, he had swung at only four of the 139 pitches he had seen that were off the plate. He currently has 29 walks and 14 strikeouts. Thank you, Colt Sawyer, for sending that one in. It is a gem. Nice. So with Kawhi's latest monster game, he became the fifth NBA player in history to record 150 points, 30 rebounds, and 15 assists through the first four games of a playoff series. The other four... Jordan did it in 93, Rick Barry did it in 1967, Wilt Chamberlain in 62, and Elgin Baylor in 61. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) One of them shot underhand free throws. (laughs) Guess which one? All right. Uh, Nikola Jokic, playing point center, is averaging 20 points, 7.3 assists, and 12 rebounds. He's a rookie, and he is 7 feet tall. He's not a rookie. Jokic? No. Yeah. Jokic? Yeah. Oh, what? Was he playing? Yeah, he's a rookie. No, he's not. What? Nikola Jokic? Yeah. Was no. he? He played last year. Yeah. No. Like in Europe, though, right? No. I'll look it up. You do your next stat. You look, you look, look it up. up. No, yeah, I'll look. It, I said I was gonna look it up. I'll look it up. You do your next. You stat. look it up. I'm gonna do my stat. Country House. We talked about Country House. Entered the Kentucky Derby with 65 to one odds to win, making him the second longest shot to win the Kentucky Derby. In its 145-year history, the longest shot winner was Dunrail, who was 91 and a half to 1 in 1913. Nikola Jokic was drafted in 2014. <laughs> Decidedly very, not a rookie. Very close. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the first year I've heard about him. So, <laughs> to me, he's a rookie. Okay. In, uh, in the 2005 3A Nevada State Championship football game, one David Henderson had an interception and a receiving touchdown. Uh, okay. I once bowled a 257. That's not my stat. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's in the paper. Do you have your receipts? The, actually, I'm not sure. Uh, the youngest players with 30-point back-to-back playoff games all time 2006, LeBron James, youngest ever, 21 years old, 121 days. Number two on the list, Kobe Bryant did it in 2000, 21 years old, 251 days. Tracy McGrady did it the next year in 2001 at 21 years old, 336 days. T-Mac. Jordan did it in 85 at 22 years old, 66 days. And our new entry into the top five, Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets, 22 years old, 71 days. That's objectively correct. Stats. Uh, so real quick, um, just want to talk one baseball thing. So the Red Sox, they won the World Series, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know who they played, but they won. You know what and they are now? They are poo-poo now. They are, yeah. Yes. Uh, so one tradition we have in this country is that when you win a championship at a professional level, typically you get an invite from the White House sometime over the course of the next year uh, as a team or individual, whatever it is, to come and visit and the president honors you by giving you fast food burgers. <laughs> With a nice meal and a speech and I don't know what else, a tour. Um, and so traditionally this has been kind of an honor over the recent past. 
it's become a little bit more controversial as everything in life seems to be political now. And so the Red Sox, um, several of the Red Sox, including their manager, Alex Cora, have declined the invitation. But most of the team is actually going to go. And there was a uh, sports writer, uh, Steve Buckley, uh, wrote, uh, Alex Cora confirmed, uh, has confirmed in the newspaper report that he will not make the trip to meet the president. So basically, it's the White Sox who will be going. So the only players and team staff uh, who are going are white. And all of the players of uh, minority players, African-Americans, Hispanic players, are not going. David Price retweeted Steve Buckley, who has 38,000 followers. David Price has over a million. And he said, I just feel like more than 38,000 should see this tweet. Hmm. He tweeted that about his own team. Trouble in paradise, seems like. Like, why would you want to tweet that about your own team, first of all? But secondly... Like, what are your thoughts about this? That everyone on the team who, in some way, I guess, feels offended by the president or just disagrees with him politically, whatever the case may be, is not going. And everyone else, not saying that they necessarily agree with him, but everyone who's white or everyone who's going is white. Like, this just, this seems like a very kind of dysfunctional, bad situation. It really the does. The optics are horrible. It really, yeah. For, for baseball especially, where it's like America's game is not really American's game because America is more and more brown and more and more black than it's ever been. And you can't be America's game if the highest office in the land is, I mean, is repelling championship players of other ethnicities other than white. You know, I think, especially with the, the Tim Anderson situation from a little bit ago that we talked about on the show... It's just a bad look, and it, it does look kind of bad. It, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to think, like, if I'm the team, like, I think I'd rather have a all-or-nothing policy, right? Like, if... It just looks like if your manager's not going, I don't know, at least at least from the leadership of the team, right? right? Your manager and staff, if, 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 if any players are going, they should be there supporting the players. Right, and I... The Puerto Rican connection yeah. with Alex Cora is very understandable because he feels like the country didn't do enough to support one of its territories, his home uh, territory. I don't know if to call it a state, but his, his yeah. what he considers his home, Puerto Rico. Uh, he felt like they weren't given enough uh, help after hurricane the hurricane that was out there. And so I get it. Uh, but it also is, a I think, a symptom of a larger problem that baseball has that I think it's unwilling to confront. Yeah, well, and, and Tim Anderson, did you hear him? Uh, this is the shortstop for the White Sox who was ejected and suspended for, for flipping his bat. Uh, well, ejected well, uh, for saying the N-word, supposedly. That's right, okay. It, 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 right. In that situation, though. Yeah, it, it all stemmed from a bat flip, and then he got hit on his next at bat, right? Um, this week, he said he was talking about like how he doesn't really fit in, right? He said, I don't speak Spanish, and I don't like hunting fish. And, um, I mean, obviously I don't spend my days in a major league clubhouse. Um, but I think there is a, I think you could stereotype players, right? It's like the game is very popular in the South and rural areas. 
the more urban you get, you tend to focus more on basketball. And football. And football to some degree, especially out, out west. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, you, you think of someone like, I think of like the, the prototypical baseball player, I think of like Madison Bumgarner, who's for like from North Carolina, right? Yeah. And he's just like, you could, you definitely know that he spends his off season like hunting and hunting, fishing, like up in a tree somewhere, right? Hunting. Covering himself in bear urine. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think there is the perception that, that a lot of the white players are just like, backwoods kind of guys and then if you're not white you're hispanic and so you grew up you know in that culture right and then you've got your handful of young african-american players and it's like where do they fit in and And according to tim anderson they don't yeah and it's not that you like you don't need to fit like again these are all stereotypes and there's going to be players you know that that cross over there's gonna be players who grew up in a big city who are white who probably can identify or have similar interests to tim anderson um, but just go- going back to the presidential thing, right? First of all, this is just a dumb thing. Like, I, why do we even do this? I thought the whole point of America was to, like not have a monarchy, right? And I feel like this is like one of those things that's like come and kiss the ring. And it's not. This is not directed oh. at Trump or any or like or any particular but president. But it's just a weird tradition. But it's a weird tradition. It's like you won, so okay, I'll invite you to the White House. It's like no, the White House. That's our house, right? That's not the that's not the president's. Like that's the American people's house. And so like, if we want to go, we should be able to go. I, obviously, there needs to be some kind of security. But the whole the whole idea of like. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bestow this this honor on you. Right. I, like the president's giving uh, Tiger. I think he actually gave Tiger Woods today the Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom. Um, I'm no more free today than I was before he won the Masters. <laughs> which is fine. Like people who aren't uh, who who don't do like great political things or like end slavery they get those kinds of medals. Like if they add to the culture, or whatever. Like, like it happens. Like end slavery. <laughs> Going, going really high on the on the spectrum there. <laughs> All I'm saying, I'm not being super eloquent here. All I'm saying is that I'm trying to say is that I think we we elevate the presidency a lot. Like, and it's like President Trump, President Obama, President Bush—they're all just men, just like any of us, right? And and I don't know. I don't think. I don't think. It needs to be so revered, right? Right. And so, like, if someone decides I don't want to go to the White House, like, it shouldn't be. A, even though we're talking about it, like, it shouldn't be. I'm, I'm being a little hypocritical right now, but like, yeah, it shouldn't necessarily be in the headlines. If you don't want to go see the president, who cares, right? My my thing with this, the interest to me is, what does this do to the team? Because you have half the team, or maybe more than half the team, that's going, and the other part of the team that's not going. Does this so? seeds of division or like are the players mature enough to say yeah you go do you yeah if you want to go to the white house cool i don't want to go no hard feelings right Mm -hmm. or is it hey i can't believe you're going do you know how offensive that guy is to me right well i think i think in any professional environment whether it's sports a business a school a university whatever it is you wherever it is that you work there are going to be differences of opinions there's going to be differences of culture and it is expected in a professional environment to just overcome those differences and do your job Yep. And these baseball players are getting paid to play their best baseball and win baseball games. And in Boston, you're expected to win championships now because they've won a couple in the last couple, uh, 10, 15 years, right? So 
they're professionals. They need to be treated as such, and they should just be able to overcome these differences. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you're from. When it's time to turn a 6-4-3 double play, I'm going to trust you to be there and do your job, period. So I think these are professionals. We need to treat them as such. And if a professional doesn't want to go to some ceremony, they should be allowed to not go, and it shouldn't be a big deal. Just do your job. You know, there's, there's a baseball player named Wong. And every time I hear Wong, <laughs> that's Wong. <laughs> So bad. But you should see his hands. Hey, David, interesting fact for you that you had no idea. Yeah. Over the weekend, uh, it was May 4th, which in pop culture is known as Star Wars Day because it's uh, May the 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. Yeah, yeah. Which is highly offensive to Lispers everywhere. Why? <laughs> you think Mike Tyson, like... May the fourth be with you. And like, are you trying to say may the fourth be with you? Or are you trying to say may the fourth? February 4th be with you. <laughs> okay, now do April 4th. April 4th be with you. Now say may the fourth be may with you. May the fourth be with you. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. I don't know. Same you're, thing. I don't know what's better, your Tyson impression or I can't believe that the big guy has such a funny voice. I, I hear with a lot of fourth. <laughs> uh, so how'd you celebrate May the 4th, David? This was interesting. So I... Uh, I like Star Wars. I grew up watching Star Wars, and it introduced me to storytelling and movies and uh, everything I love about about movies, which is character development, good great story, dialogue. action, uh, and some of the movies, yeah. Empire Strikes Back has great dialogue. Anyway, we digress. No! That's the best line of the movie. <laughs> Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Obi-Wan killed your father. That's a little little nugget for some people. That's impressive. Me. Yeah, most impressive. most impressive, yeah. But uh, when I woke up, my... Wife was out exercising, and my kids were watching Star Wars Episode Four. They were more excited for Star wow. Wars Day than I was. Nice. I was like, "All right, cool." So I finished that with them. We uh, we hung out for a little bit. We did uh, we played Star Wars Lego because it's like the only way that they'll play the violent Star Wars video games. Okay. It's like just Lego bricks exploding, not yeah. people's arms coming off. Because I did play a Star Wars video game recently where I did chop a stormtrooper's arms off, and I was like, oh. "I'm glad my kids aren't watching." Were you a Jedi? I was. Okay. It kind of seems like an un-Jedi thing to do, but in, in, you know, attacking people as a stormtrooper is a very un-Jedi thing to do too. So I mean, I think a you get Jedi's a weapon is a laser sword. Yeah, I think it just comes with the territory. Uh, anyway, and so we did a little bit of that. We did the Pinewood Derby, right? They do uh, they do one for boys and girls. Uh, because there are a lot of girls that wanted to participate, and my daughter came What's in. What's a Pinewood Derby? Okay, so a Pinewood Derby is uh, something that they do for, like, Cub Scouts, and this year they did it for uh, young girls, too. So it's like a precursor to Boy Scouts called the Cub Scouts. Yeah. And they take this block of Pinewood. Okay. Okay, you cut it into the shape of a car, design it, paint it, however you want to do it, put wheels on it, it all comes in this little kit, and then you race down this downhill track. And it's cool. They have, like, lasers that time so you it can, everything. you can cut it carve it however you want yep what you feel is the most aerodynamic yeah or just what's going to be the coolest like one kid this year did the pinewood derby for his car so he, he cut his block of wood mm -hmm. into the shape of the ramp and put little life cars on it so it looked oh, like the cool. actual pinewood derby ramp with big flags and stuff that's it was cool. really cool it was one of the coolest looking designs i'd seen uh the girl winner had a big block of cheese it was just like a, ch a block of cheese cut in like a quarter. With holes? But yeah, with holes and a little mouse on top of <laughs> That's it. That's cool. I wanted them to weigh the mouse. I was like, maybe it's a lead mouse. Okay. Give them a little extra weight. But anyway, so, so you got third place. this is the pod race for a uh, segment of your day. Yeah, basically. And so Felicity got third. My daughter got third out of all of the kids there. Not just the girls and the boys, but everyone there. It was really nice. cool. And then we came back and uh, we watched Empire Strikes Back while eating dinner. My wife makes this uh, chicken meal called uh, Chewbacca chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Right? It's just like Chewbacca's chicken is what we call it. Like he's With the one that hair. cooks it. Right? No, it's not like a Wookiee. That would be Wookiee chicken. Ah. Or just Wookiee meat. 
which I believe is called Wookie okay. Meat. Is it overcooked so it's a little extra chewy? Anyway, it's really delicious, and Heather makes it, and it's good. And we have Chewbacca chicken uh, while watching Empire Strikes Back, and then shortly after that, we went to went to bed. Uh, so that was really fun. Cool. And so I've been thinking a lot about Star Wars the last few days. Uh, a Star Wars movie is coming out this December, and I'm sure we'll dedicate at least a half-hour segment to that the way we did Avengers. Aye. We're closing out the entire uh, sequel trilogy with it, so uh, we're going to be all over that. Uh a lot of fun things going on in Star Wars. There's a new ride. There's a whole new uh, land in uh, Disney World and Disneyland that's going to be Star Wars, and they're gonna they're taking it to the next level. They're doing really cool stuff. Like you need an app to be able to read the signs because the signs are all going to be in the Star Wars language. So it's not going to be in English. Okay. You just have to go. It's Wait, good. what language do they speak? Oh, I, I forgot what they call. I think it's called like Arubish or something like that. I just learned mm. this recently. Like I'm not as big of a Star Wars nerd as you may think. <laughs> I, I just enjoy the movies, but like my uncle Ben would put me to shame with Star Wars knowledge and Star Wars nerdery. Old Ben? Yeah, yeah, old Ben. Hmm. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to rank my Star Wars movies and then go into some other Star Wars uh, conversations with sure. you. Sure. Okay. Did you rank your movies? I didn't see you writing anything down. Oh, it's, I got them all in my head. Okay. My uh, my top ten Star Wars movies. We're not going to talk about the the holiday special, which even George Lucas said he wished he could track down, like go back in time and destroy all evidence of that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the now, are we TV including uh, the uh, animated movie? No, we're not. Okay. Okay. So just the live action movies, the ten movies uh, that are the prequel trilogy, Rogue One, Solo, the original trilogy, and the sequel trilogy, which we have two movies of. So ten total. So the the three trilogies. Yep. Plus. Solo and Rogue One. Yes. And, we're of course, we're excluding The oh, Rise of Skywalker because we haven't seen it yet. Well. So my top ten going from ten to one are as follows. And I need to emphasize that this is from the lowest to the best, the worst, worst to, to best. the best, right? Okay. Number ten, The Phantom Menace. Number nine, Force Awakens. Number eight, Attack of the Clones. Number seven, The Last Jedi. Number six, Solo. Number five, Revenge of the Sith. Number four, Return of the Jedi. Number three, Rogue One. Number two, A New Hope can sometimes be combined with Rogue One. In fact, if you watch them run right after the other, it's really dope. And number one, Empire Strikes Back. Cool. Um, scratch that, reverse it for me. You suck. No, so, no but my uh, my favorite... Um, you can just do like top three or something if you don't want to go through the whole list. Okay, top three. Uh, number three, Phantom Menace. I love me some Jar Jar. What can I say? I think Jar Jar is the most underrated Star Wars character of all time. It was also the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's frustrating. I, yeah. So that was my introduction to Star Wars, and I thought it was good. I didn't know it was bad. It's a good movie. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. Like a standalone by itself thing, yeah. it's a great movie. And but I like the music a lot. Two, it really good. Two things kind of ruined episode one. Jar Jar Binks and Midichlorians. And they were wiped from existence, except for in the Clone Wars, the TV, the animated TV series, where Jar Jar Binks makes some appearances there. But other than that, they like just push both of those things off to the side. And I thought Jar Jar was Okie Day, so no, no, uh, no qualms with with Jar Jar. And I didn't know any better about Midichlorians. So, uh, and then I like uh, I like Empire. Uh, that was good, and I like Rogue One. That was really good. So. Yeah, I, I guess I picked from uh, three different eras. Yeah, you did. So what, I, what I've always really enjoyed about Star Wars is it's an escape, right? Mark Hamill calls it escapism at its finest. 
Because you can go and you can just watch, you can detach yourself. It is literally a long time ago in a place far, far away. And that's what escapism is all about. Escapism is all about imagining yourself in a different place, escaping your troubles for a few hours, and just being in a different place and just de- like decompressing and de-stressing and just being somewhere else for a little while. Because life is hard. Life is difficult. And life is stressful. And anything that you can do to escape that can help de-stress, like decompress your life a little bit. And Star Wars does that for me on a really high level. It like takes me back to my childhood, but it's also escapism at its finest. It's also just really good storytelling most of the time. Now, the prequel trilogy, for example, they were all directed by George Lucas. You get the best acting from the casts when George Lucas isn't directing. For example, episode four, it's really, it's good, Right, But then you go to episode 5, Empire Strikes Back, and the acting, for some reason, gets a ton better. Why? Because George Lucas' only direction he would ever give was, okay, that was good, now faster and more intense. That's like all he would say. <laughs> In fact, I think it was Carrie Fisher that said one time he uh, he had lost his voice, and they didn't know until the end of the day when they were done shooting. He just didn't really... He was a brilliant visionary, a good storyteller, and he was, of course, a master of special effects. But he did not know how to direct actors. Yeah. Right. Harrison Ford said he had no patience for the process of acting. So for a good example of this is in Empire Strikes Back, the director, Ivan Kirshner, is with Han Solo. And they're doing that scene where he's going down into the the carbonite chamber to get frozen. Right. It's a big emotional scene. And George had written, um, I love you. I love you, too. And Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford and Ivan Kirshner were sitting there that, that, that doesn't feel like Han Solo. I feel like we're missing an opportunity with this character here. They both agreed. And so they tried a few things. Nothing really worked. And finally, Ivan Kirshner said, Harrison, don't think about it. Action. And they started. I love you. I know. He dips down in there. And it becomes one of the most iconic moments in movie history. Yeah. Right? And that is what George Lucas would never be able to do. And it really shows in episodes one, two, and three. Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor. He played Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Some people don't believe him when they see him on the street and stuff, but he's like, <laughs> I am Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's great stories sometimes coming from that, like pulling up at a, at a red light and like yelling at the guy that cut him off and then seeing people realize, oh my gosh, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> right? But uh, he's a great actor and he's yeah. been in a lot of stuff and he's a high demand actor. He was in the Winnie the Pooh movie recently. Okay. Tear jerker. Christopher Robin. Yeah, yeah. so good. And uh, he's a great actor. And there are some lines that he says that are so wooden and so empty of all emotion I think it's because maybe George Lucas doesn't like know how to direct actors, and that really comes out. And I feel mm-hmm. bad for Hayden Christensen because that was his like first role, and he was pigeonholed as a guy who played Anakin Skywalker not well. Yeah. But it's like, what are you gonna do with some of those lines that are so cheesy and so terrible? No, it's because I'm so in love with you. I what hate. You I hate sand. Right. What are you gonna <laughs> do with that stuff? It's coarse and rough and irritating. It gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. Like it's just. I mean, the lines are goofy, and so if you have such goofy lines and, and such poorly written dialogue between two lovers, like you got to give the actors some leeway to fill it out, maybe sure. change some things up and try some things, but they never got that opportunity, never got that chance. And so episodes one, two, and three, while the special effects are amazing, the sword, the lightsaber fighting is, a, is so cool, and the storyline gets advanced in a really cool way. We get to see how Anakin becomes Darth Vader, which is so awesome and such a great opportunity. It gets overshadowed by things like Jar Jar Binks and the bad dialogue. Yeah. I think I might put Revenge of the Sith in place of Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's a good call, because yeah. Revenge of the Sith, I think, is much better. I, I love the fight scenes in Revenge of the Sith. They're good. Yeah. The fight scenes are way good. Especially between uh, Anakin and the bad ones. Oh, dude. Just kidding. Oh. That, was, that wasn't a fight. That was a massacre gross um all right so you've seen 
spoiler alert for anyone who has not seen the trailer for Rise of Skywalker, but you've seen it. Yeah, I have. Um, what I love most about this trailer is that it breathes life into my long-running theory that Palpatine is the progenitor of the Skywalker line. Okay, I got some. I got some of this for you. Okay, you ready? So, wait, wait, so wait, wait, you want to hear my theory first, though? Oh, I've heard it, you, but do you want the audience to hear? Yeah, you want yeah, the audience yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my my theory is that somehow I don't not not that that Palpatine himself actually fathered Anakin, but like through the Force caused Anakin to be born of. Smee? Shmee? Shmee. Shmee. Not not from Hook. Not the Shmee from Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Shmee. But yeah, so what, uh, what they say in episode one is that they've encountered a virgins in the force. In other yeah. words, there was no father. She just got pregnant out of nowhere. Basically an immaculate conception, mm-hmm. a la Jesus and Mary. Okay. And so, and, and, and Palpatine's been directing the Skywalker line uh, essentially ever since. Okay. That, that came back to bite him in the lightsaber, though, because Luke ended up taking him out, which is such yeah, a cool story. Exactly, and he didn't foresee that. He thought right. Vader would be able to sway Luke. Right. And uh, Luke Skywalker, in The Last Jedi, goes up to Leia, gives her the, the dice that were in the Millennium Falcon, ended up just being the fake ones, right? That he's projecting yes. through thousands of light, uh, light years or whatever through the Force, which is super rad by itself. Gives it to her and says the words, no one is ever really gone. Yeah. And then you think about that line, and then you think about Palpatine's laugh at the end of that trailer. Yeah. And it makes you think, okay, maybe Palpatine's spirit is able to live. If there can be forced Jedi ghosts, why can't there be forced Sith ghosts? And there are some precedents for that of the ghost of um, previous Sith Lords coming and like, speaking with people and stuff like that in video games and books and stuff like that. So they have something to work with there. And I don't know if, because the way I've always understood the relationship between Palpatine and the Skywalkers is that Palpatine was rising in power and using the dark side of the force to do unnatural things, to get a lot of power and things like that. And so the force always looking for balance counteracted what Palpatine and his masters and apprentices were doing Mm -hmm. by creating a powerful force user in Anakin who would one day bring balance to the force. And he does by killing Palpatine, right? The force is in balance when the dark side isn't in power. Okay. Which seems odd, right? Well, no, it's, it's imbalanced because it's, I mean, there's enough evil in the galaxy already. There should already. be a healthy tension between dark and, and light. And there already is. There's already bounty hunters and gangsters like Jabba the Hutt and things like that without the Sith around. Okay. And the Sith are just taking it to the next level and being okay. crap and stuff like that, right? But you have um, that balance coming into play right there. And that's because while the dark side is getting strong with Palpatine and all that, the Force counteracts that by bringing in Anakin and his family to try to counteract that, to balance it out. And the same kind of thing is being discussed in the sequel trilogy where you have kylo ren getting a lot of power and snoke tells him i knew that as you grew in power your equal would rise up uh to to fight against you right and that's ray mm-hmm. is ray a skywalker we don't know they've hinted that there's more to the parentage there than we know but she it just, just seems like they're making it up as they go yeah. and that's that, and that's why i i lowered the move the the new movies kind of low on my list for that reason we're really gonna have to see where it all ends up in this next movie but i feel like they have three movies of material to cover in one movie and I'm worried that they're not going to do it justice, and I'm worried that it's going to be an unsatisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, up until up until this point, it's been a it's a movie about the Skywalkers, right? Or a series about the Skywalkers. And still, you have Kylo Ren, and you've got Leia still, although they've got to deal with her pretty early on, I would imagine. In the movie. Yeah, um, well, I mean, they they CG'd Grand Moff Tarkin into existence in Rogue One, true. and they yeah. did a pretty good job. I was shocked at how how good that looked. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see if the Skywalker line actually comes to an end in this, or if there's a new. Like, does this rise of Skywalker mean there's a new line of Skywalker through Kylo or someone else? Is it Rey or whoever? And and of course we have to deal with this idea of the Emperor being back somehow, yeah. either as Force energy or something. Yeah. So my so. my theory is that we get insight into how Anakin came about and how and that how the rise of Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, came into into existence. That'd be interesting. Something that they never really go into in the movies is uh, really getting into Luke learning about his father and stuff like that. Hold up, hold up on that mouse click button here for okay, a second. Okay. So another thing that I really like is Star Wars video games. Okay, I've been playing Star Wars video games since I was a little kid, and some of my favorite experiences with video games were when I got to be a Jedi Knight. That's the coolest thing in movies to me. Mm-hmm. A guy who is sworn to protect, uh, who is noble, and who is a defender, not an, an attacker or an offender, right? I mean, the very idea of having a laser sword, but that they use it more to defend shots coming at them, right? It's For me, it's like Captain America's shield in a way. Yeah. It's symbolically and... Uh, just an actual function. It's more of a protecting weapon. Do they kill people with it? Sure, yes. But it's more of a, de- a defending weapon and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So some of my favorite experiences in video games are things like Knights of the Old Republic, where you get to take on the role of a character and go through with a lot of really interesting story and stuff like that. Uh, Jedi Knight 2, which is a computer game, and The Force Unleashed. They just announced and showed a trailer for a new Star Wars video game that's coming out in November. And I'm telling you, Anthony, it is exactly like the video games that I've always wanted for a Star Wars game. If you've played the Assassin's Creed games or if you've yeah. played the Shadow of Mordor games, yeah. it's going to be something like that. But so you get open to be world. A, yeah, more open world. First, uh, first per, like story-driven, one player. It's not going to be like a big multiplayer thing that are popular. No battle royales or anything like that. Get that out of my Star Wars life. But it's going to be a story-driven first player game where you're a Jedi between episodes three and four. I'm so excited for it. I've wanted this type of game ever since I've played <laughs> the Batman games. In uh, Arkham. Arkham, yes, the Arkham games. Okay. I've wanted a Star Wars game like that ever since then, nice. and now we're getting one, and I'm super excited for it. It's such a good time to be a Star Wars fan. The Star Wars, uh, the Jet <laughs> Disney. I'm sorry, the Disney streaming uh, service is coming up. Yeah. They have a new series directed by John Favreau. Yeah, called The Mandalorian. Okay, it's going to be so good. You know, we do this podcast weekly. Yes, I know. I'm really excited for it, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll reconvene this this the Senate of the Gal- the Galactic Senate <laughs> okay. in uh in November December, but. Uh, I know I went on and on about that, but I felt like if I if there ever was a day to go on and on about Star Wars, it is after Star Wars Day. So, okay, all right, David, may the uh, may the sixth be with you. May the Sith be with you. <gasps> this has been the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Tune in weekly for sports talk and other stuff. <laughs>